0: You're now listening to Sanity at the Movies. I was going to say Nerd Edition, but...
1: That's every episode.
0: Well, and also, the nerds left the building a long time ago. This movie, which we haven't actually seen right now, I guess I'll admit that. Should I admit that? Sure. Yeah, Yeah, okay. Why not? What we're going to do is we're going to record a before and after. So this is the before. Like These are two, maybe the most two pivotal times in our entire lives. Before we saw Dungeons and Dragons, oh Honor Among Thieves, and after we saw, and you're going to hear both of them on this episode. <laughs> Here's the amazing
1: thing: Nathan was just poo-pooing the fact that I'm excited about the the next Spider Verse really movie, do. and we watched the trailer. Another multiverse story. <laughs> and honestly. he's just like it's going to be stupid and. <laughs> it's gonna be horrible and everything about it's gonna be bad and i don't know why anybody would ever want to go
0: watch it not an accurate and also <laughs>
1: let's go watch the new dungeons and dragons movie guys this <laughs> afternoon together <laughs> and then come record a podcast on it like dungeons mm. and
0: dragons are you serious that is that's about how it happened exactly what happened <laughs> and everything about spider verse looks lame <laughs> ritual divorce from coupling <laughs> and now <laughs> wow now we have to see honor uh, no listen what i was about to say uh, hey spider-man it looks all right here's my fears about the spider-man into the spider-verse which just dropped mm. its new trailer as as of this recording i think this episode will have a fast turnaround so it probably just dropped its new trailer like yesterday or something like that but overstuffed superhero sequels traditionally this is a problem Be it a Batman sequel, you know, like a Dark Knight Rises, or even a Dark Knight to some extent, even a Batman Returns, even a Spider-Man 3. A lot of times when we, we feel like we need to have thousands of villains and different plots and things going on, and we need to service all these characters, this is like a classic second superhero movie problem. And so maybe this movie... Avoids it completely and is just amazing and awesome and the greatest thing that's since what's Spider Verse one. I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen. But I believe in them. Uh, mm. You know they're awesome. They're slick. Everything they do is awesome. Uh, they, they <laughs> everything that lesbian. is awesome. And that lesbian and the thing with the Mitchells, the machines. Mitchells versus the machines. oh so yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, watch that it's, one.
1: It's terrible. They're I mean, woke. The, are, yeah, there they, will be some woe cat tipping in this, but I bet it'll be minimal in background.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if this is the place where we break with them. I mean, it's going to happen eventually, somewhere on the timeline. They're going to be like, "We're too clever for our own good, and we can service everyone, including things that are terrible."
1: Sure, and so what? They're gonna they're gonna make Gwen trans, and Miles is gonna make a move, and then we're gonna find out that Gwen is trans, and then he's gonna not care. Okay great i hate it
0: yeah, yeah i hope that doesn't happen I'm, I'm not trying to take away your toys and put them on the refrigerator so you can't play with them I'm yes just... you are <laughs> but you might be right that may be exactly what happens no no no. i just want to have a, I... here in my heart it's a pretty cool looking trailer i have to admit i right. just i'm just scared to have my expectations too high i i want to be i want to be okay if it's a three out of four well, which is about the worst that could happen. I want yeah, I want to yeah. be like that was a fun quality 3 out of 4. And what I'm afraid Jake's doing is unless this is the Citizen Kane of Spider-Man things, then he's going to be a little disappointed. And so
1: I so I I am aware that There what I'm is actually doing. a
0: humanistic urge behind my <laughs> my sneering. At the end of the day, I care about you Jake. I want you to be happy with an okay <laughs> Spider-verse.
1: See, but the problem is the more that you it's just the driving each other to extremes. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hope and expect that much harder now.
0: Right. And I think you're Spider Hitler for <laughs> wanting this movie to be good.
2: I'm the Churchill who will make peace. So no, a Churchill? Wait. Is. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're, no, wait. You're not a Chamberlain. Oh, actually, yeah. Sorry so World that. World War Three is coming.
1: <laughs> that's right, Jake. And it's a multiverse of madness. A multiverse of madness.
0: Well, speaking of a multiverse of madness, we are in the mm-hmm. multiverse. Did I? When you guys have to watch that, everything, every, there, everywhere. No, nope. watched, watched it. I
2: didn't, especially after I heard from you.
0: Yes, I guess I told you. you I watched did. it. It's horrible. I would compare it to. I'm just. Mm-hmm. I'm only saying this because there might be like three people that listen to us. who are like, hey, as far as Oscar-winning woke pieces of garbage that don't make any money, that one looks like a more fun one with some kung fu and stuff. People probably some people will see it. our our hipper audience members of which we do have a few. I just thought what I would compare it to is what's the Jim Carrey movie where he's on the train and he falls in love with the girl and then they erase all his memories.
1: Eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Yeah,
0: it is. Mm -hmm.
1: Which I I, loved back in the day. I loved it back in the day. too. Well, I
0: think a whole generation will embrace this as their eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. It it is a uh, wonderfully evoked, empty existential parable about how we should all love each other for some reason even though absolutely nothing matters and we're gonna really drive home the point that absolutely nothing matters that's great and it's all subjective and there's no and as i mean we're gonna explicitly like like we are going to state that is the moral of the movie in dialogue like nothing matters so love each other so, i mean that is like that's how the movie wraps up spoilers yeah. subpar kung fu the one reason you might be you might have an enjoyable time is just if you have that much nostalgia for what's his face, Key, Quan, I forget what it's Short his name round. Is. Short round. If you have a nostalgia for the kid from Goonies and Temple, then he's pretty great. He's wonderful. And you might just, you might actually coast on the goodwill of that, just as the Oscars coasted on the goodwill of that. But really, just a, a really empty provocation of a movie. And lots of woke garbage and sexual stuff, and uh, it just was not what I wanted it to be. You do wish that Marvel Mm -hmm. could be half, even well, even 1% as clever with the multiverse as these guys are. Like Mm -hmm. We actually go to multiverses, including the one where everyone's a rock, so we just cut to a field of rocks, and then we have subtitles for what the rocks are saying to each other, and there's a world where people have hot dogs for fingers. There's some fun stuff (laughs) like that where it's like... Hey, Marvel, if you're going to do multiverse and you guys supposedly have a sense of humor, why don't you actually have a sense of humor and be fun? Be fun. And here's the multiverse where everybody has a coconut on their head. You can do stuff like that. But Doctor Strange did not do anything like that. Anyway, we've now (laughs) managed to spend zero time talking about (laughs) Dungeons and Dragons. Speaking
1: of, the Blue Beetle trailer looks like we're ripping off Marvel's... Iron Man formula slash style style formula everything and just saying we're (laughs) taking this ball, you've lost it, we make no apologies, we're running with it. I mean if we are the new we're the new Marvel and you guys suck.
0: I'm all for them doing some version of that. I mean Marvel deserves it at this point. Also not that excited about Blue Beetle. Yeah, no. No, not at all. Well, listen, I'll tell you what I am excited about, the fact that we're going to go see Dungeons and Dragons, colon, Honor Among Thieves, Dawn of Justice, a Chris Pine, Hugh Grant. It's about time we brought Chris Pine into the franchise
1: film outside of Star Trek.
0: Yep, finally give this
1: Is guy
2: a, all? a good franchise. Well, no, one, I mean, one he, woman. He was in the Tom Clancy franchise for a minute. He was yeah, exactly. uh, Jack one Ryan
1: in a very forgettable. He was a forgettable. He's been in forgettable Things like he's been right. Wonder Woman's sidekick. Oh, yeah, he's been Jack Ryan
0: and he's been what's his face? Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk, would you say that Chris Pine? You know what? Is, I was just thinking, Chris Pine is a lot like Timothy Oliphant. He's kind of he's either the poor man's Timothy Oliphant or the rich man's Timothy Oliphant.
2: I, I think I like Timothy Oliphant better.
0: Yeah, I think Timothy Oliphant might be the rich man's
2: Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, but very similar. I mean, I, I've, I've seen like an episode of his show, Justified mm-hmm. or whatever. He's, he's, he's really cool. He's great.
0: He's great. I did have not, certainly not watched all of Justified or even that much of it. But I like old Timothy Olyphant. Is Chris Pine the best of the Chrises? I, I think he... Least hateable of the Chrises.
1: I think he's the most talented of the Chrises and the one who's really...
0: But he does not have the most talented agent. No, his the,
1: agent is terrible. or His selection, his choices... He's made a ton of bad choices or just not really struck gold. But I, I feel like, just in terms of total talent, like he, I think he's a, yeah, I think he's got way better acting chops than any of the three other Chris's. Who he, are the, th- I'm, so
2: Hemsworth, Hemsworth Pratt, Pratt and, and Evans. Evans.
1: Yeah. I mean, who would you say has better acting chops? I mean, I think Evans is
0: Absolutely. actually one Chris's. of the best Chris's in terms of raw talent, but he's such an obnoxious personality. I just hate him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean
1: Chris Hemsworth is the most likable to me of the Chris's and he's a bad actor.
0: Yeah I don't like anything that he's done outside of uh, Thor. He's good in Black Hat. Never seen it. Haven't seen it.
2: No one has seen he's it. He's just not a good actor. He's not He's not great. He's he,
1: if you like his his sort of comedic timing then you can enjoy it but really you watch a Chris Hemsworth movie to look at Chris Hemsworth I
2: guess. Yes, so, star power. Whatever that is, he has something.
0: Yeah, Hemsworth has, yeah, he has charisma. He, you want to look at him, uh, but uh, Pine. I, I, it makes me sad we don't have like the apparatus that Cary Grant had. That's yeah. those kinds of. You're going to be in yes. some rom coms. You're going right. to be in some action movies. Like you're yeah. going to. here's a complete package of things that a charming, handsome. We have built
1: this for you likable, because we want to build on your back.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, you wish. You almost wish for the old studio days. Like we're going to sign a contract. We're in the crisp pine business now and what are all the different flavors of Chris pine that an audience would like to sample
1: in all our best scripts we're pushing this
0: way right hmm. exactly
1: this is our best rom-com it goes to Chris pine this is our best action movie it goes to Chris pine this yeah. is our best mystery suspense it goes to Chris pine
0: yeah exactly hmm. let's see what he can do let's see what he do and then find a few of those things yeah. these days it's just like As I think Quentin Tarantino went on, made some headlines saying, we don't actually develop stars because people aren't actually allowed to... Have that much power. Well, they aren't allowed to have power Like There is some sense in... Robert Downey Jr. is the exception, of course. But there is some sense in which people will pay to watch Scarlett Johansson play Black Widow, but will they pay to watch her do anything else? Not necessarily. People will... Pay for you know, people, people are actually paying for the role. Like, the role right. is at, like people like the Hulk. They don't necessarily want to mm-hmm. go see everything that Ruffalo does.
1: Right. But then those actors become that. And so, Mark Ruffalo is the Hulk and Chris Evans is Captain America. And it's hard to pass that mantle on. Yeah. Chris mm. Hemsworth is Thor. And then that translates to everything else they do. So, when you go watch whatever that Netflix thing is, Extraction. What you're watching is a Thor movie where they call him something else for some reason. Right.
0: <laughs> where where he's dour and sad and everyone's murdering each other. I hated that thing so much. I never saw it. I mean, it's got some fantastic action by the people that did John Wick, but it's just... It has
1: like a five-minute single shot action chase scene that's really cool if you're just watching it from Hmm. a technical perspective
0: yeah it's superb but it's not a story or a character or that you could care about and it's just so the thing that i hate most it's so self-serious and it's just like there's not everything has to be quippy i'm tired of marvel quips but if you're making an action movie it has to have a certain lightness of touch it can't Mm -hmm. just be like make a drama or make an action movie but uh, you can't mix them (laughs) too much unless you do and you get away with it and i'm sure we could think of a million exceptions but generally speaking i don't like things that take themselves too seriously well dungeons and dragons gentlemen what baggage we're just about to like i said this is the greatest the arguably the apex of our lives if not civilization itself Mm -hmm. certainly the apex of this podcast the before and after of dungeons and dragons so we're about to go see Dungeons & Dragons. You will hear us talk about having just seen it later in this podcast. But what is you gen- your your gentleman's... What is your... How, what is the grammar of this sentence? What's the baggage y'all bring? What is the baggage of you gentlemen?
2: What's the baggage y'all bring? It was a thing that was off limits and it was bad because demonic because there was a video game where people got their heads cut off and Dungeons and & Dragons, everyone knew it was demonic. So... That's what I was taught, and I never had much curiosity, and it just remained just it's like, oh, that's kind of a vaguely distasteful dark thing over there. And that was it.
1: It was so much a part of nerd culture that I didn't even know really its name. Like,
0: It didn't make the crossover.
1: No, like if you had said to me growing up D&D, I would have looked at you like, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. If you said Dungeons & Dragons, I would have said, sounds like a nerd thing. Just Dungeons and Dragons equals nerd, and it's only something that I I think became aware of even later, like maybe even high, maybe even post high school, right? As a thing or a phenomenon, I was just that far outside of my circle radar box. Just was not, it was just non-existent.
0: That's fair enough. I'm very much in the Ben camp. I, I'm so much in the Ben camp that I feel like one of those people that was taught to be a racist, and then they grow up and they realize they shouldn't be a racist and but but then they have to like deprogram and so they see someone of they see a a dirty hawaiian and they're like ah that's a dirty hawaiian and then they have their brain has to make an a a manual adjustment like oh actually all hawaiians aren't terrible i kind of feel like that with dungeons and dragons because it was so ingrained in me that it was evil and demonic. We were mm-hmm. in the kind of sure. Pentecostal E circles that just liked the idea of there being demonic things out there. Um, hiding
1: in trash cans and.
0: Hiding in trash cans. We were just
1: conservative Presbyterians. Visibly attached to people's necks
0: like right. Frank Peretti. Or like or Frank Peretti. Yeah, certainly Frank Peretti. And so you'd hear these stories just, of very much like what people talk about now with DMTs and stuff. Although I think there's a little bit more to that. But this kid started doing Dungeons and Dragons and he became so wrapped up in the character that he was playing that he left home and they found him in a sewer, you know, gibbering, or he murdered someone. You hear these different urban legends like that and you believe them. And I, I sort of, in my mind, I categorize it in the same way that we heard of. I come from the era of stranger danger. Don't take candy from a stranger. There's people with vans. Mm-hmm. There's, there's homosexuals that are going to put needles in the bottom of the coin return for a payphone. So you go to get your change and suddenly you have AIDS that just that whole, uh, or even the vanishing hitchhiker, like that sort of stuff is where I would put Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. We, we heard these scary stories about it and it had the intrigue of a scary story. And it's only been relatively late in life that I've been like, wait a second, this is the thing that nerds. Roll dice and tell stories, and actually, all the things I heard weren't true. I mean, I was probably in my twenties or something when I was like, because it's like one of those things where, if you give it two seconds thought, you can kind of realize that most of that stuff isn't true. But there's no reason for you to give it two second thought, and so you you get into adulthood and you don't even you just don't even think about Dungeons and Dragons. It just occupies a certain category in your brain. Yeah. And then one day, that's why I compare it to races. (laughs) Like you, you might go through your life thinking Hawaiians are terrible. And just never even questioning it. And then one day you're like, wait, wait. I shouldn't believe that. I shouldn't believe. I mean, I'm sure we could all think of some belief. But like I have 25
1: years of programming or 30 years of programming. And right. I just can't flip that switch.
0: Now, there may even be people listening who are like, wait a second. Dungeons and Dra- Why are you acting like Dungeons and Dragons isn't evil? And what I would say is this. there are. Th- it does attract a certain subculture that's by and large bad. <laughs> It does attract a community of people who are sexually broken and like to smoke pot.
2: And they're going to tell stories about an occult world where you're in a dungeon and weird things can happen. And yeah, what kind of stories you think you're going to get?
0: But we're talking about sad, smelly hippies in their mommy's basement, not uh, not hippies, but
2: (laughs) I,
1: I'm sorry to do this. I barely even know how Dungeons and Dragons works. I know there's a story master, and each time you can tell a different kind of story, but I don't know. Dungeon master, Jake,
0: if you, if you please, a DM. Like I said. <laughs> well, Jake, I'm glad you kind of asked,
1: and or I'm asking, how does the game actually work? I, I know there are dice and there are cards, and we're making up stories.
0: Well, the dungeon master is going to make up a story or choose from a book of, like, published ad- adventures, and he's going to lead people through this quest. And the other players are going to choose a race, human, elf, dwarf, hobbit, or I think they call them halflings, and skills, and then they are going to apportion different attrib- number of points to different attributes. So your strength, your intelligence, your dexterity, whatever.
1: So is this the first of these types of the things? Because that, like... Yeah, that's I've, definitely, I've definitely had that filtered down into like sure. video games and, and other
0: types of right. things. Yeah, this is kind of the one that... It's not that this formula didn't kind of exist, but it's the one that really popularized it, I think. Okay. Um, and, and so you have these different attributes, and then most actions, you're going to roll some die, and points are going to correspond to the attributes. And so you can fail... And then Dungeons and Di- Di- so Dragons. So every,
1: everything from like a Spider-Man game with a skill tree to yes. Pokemon cards yeah. Yeah. is downstream, downstream of, of this. this. Absolutely. The I difference- don't actually know how Pokemon cards work, but it's something like something, that, right? Something
2: like that,
0: yeah. yeah. The thing that they've realized is your average mainstream person does not want to do Dungeons and Dragons. It does require a degree of imagination because you're just sitting there with paper and maybe a grid, like a little Personal board and maybe a personal token so that you can keep track. But what you don't have is, or what you don't have to have, obviously, you can dress up, you can do all kinds of things to spice it up. But what you don't have to have, what's not intrinsic to it, is any kind of visual representation like a board or mm-hmm. characters or cards it, or cards. Like it's all in your head. So most of the things that you're familiar with, Jake, that are downstream of this have taken the mechanics and then made them more sexy with.
1: Graphics pictures or graphics cards or cards
2: or video game pixels or, or right. whatever what what i remember i've done this like once in my life maybe twice is that you could do anything you want like if you want to make up a star wars story that's really cool and you want everyone to be part of like solving a jedi mystery well you can do that and that actually if you want to invest the time in that it's really cool like it takes you well outside of a video game and it, so it sort of depends on the skill of the dungeon master. Yeah, the dungeon master
0: has to be a good storytelling or storyteller. Everybody has to be there and committed. You cannot have you or you really don't want the person who's better than it all, who's just there because they're
1: Everybody needs to be bought in. Everybody needs to be bought so in. So it's just like full-on self-sustaining driving each other down the rabbit hole of this sort of oh, world
2: right. right hopefully with a good story plot. world hopefully with an actual plot with like a terminus and consequences right the storyteller well and
1: then we you know you're actually does creating storyteller. like have his plot points in mind when he comes mm-hmm. and yeah where he's taking he does or probably. he might even
0: take them from a book the advanced, okay. one of the DD people are always putting out new books as are all the other role-playing games so yeah he has kind of guidelines and way that ways that things can go but maybe i've been developing the character of of Rex. You know so sort like in, and,
1: in any story as you you've got your as you're crafting your story you've got your plot you've got your characters but then the characters take on a life of their right. own and they the plot changes or things change and adapt to exactly as things develop so. And,
0: and so we might all we've been like on a thousand campaigns together we grew up playing this we have vivid memories of the day that Rex sortington was gunned down by trolls and the you know like we we are creating a narrative together that that goes through our lives and you can see how that kind of thing can lead to problems it was a wild exaggeration to say it led to people not knowing the difference between that and reality I mean there's a way you could use language to say "Ah, people don't know the difference between that or like that's what your mom would say if you're playing too many video games and that is a criticism you could make of it what we don't I think actually have by and large is the propaganda, the scare tactics that me and Ben grew up with, which is that people, uh-huh. as a matter of course, end up getting sucked into this thing, and they don't know that they're not in Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. world because there's some kind of demonic. Yeah, the kinds of people that are attracted to this are the kinds of people that are going to be interested in the occult and interested in telling dark stories, which is why it can go dark, it can become sexual. But there, but as Ben was saying, you can't just do your Star Wars story. Like it, there's nothing intrinsic about. The The system. It's a system. It's just a system. It's a way of telling a story together.
2: I I mean, I would say a lot of the lore... So I've played a couple of video games based on... Maybe just one based on Dungeons & Dragons lore. And there was a lot of dark, perverse, occulty stuff in it. Right. And so it seems like a lot of the lore that they published is probably on the grosser edge of fantasy, or at least the darker... Like the... No, probably you don't want to be in that story.
0: I would say, by the standards of God's holiness, absolutely. By the standards of Game of Thrones, by the standards of oh, where yeah. dark yeah. fantasy is now, it's pretty innocuous. It's like the dorky 70s, kind of Terry Brooks, all of which was rapey and dark and stuff. I mean, it's fantasy, post-Tolkien fantasy has always been problematic, shall we say. But, and and for like, you're well, look, you're writing a genre that's primarily going to be read by 13-year-old boys. It's very easy to make mm-hmm. money by putting the kinds of things that will be attractive to 13-year-old boys. So I mean,
1: 13-year-old boys sitting around in a room together, that sort of thing. Right. Hormonally charged boys who want places to
0: take their imaginations. And probably aren't, let's say, making a lot of hay on the basketball court, these people. Like, maybe don't feel as accepted by the cheer squad leader. What do do you call her? The prom queen. None None of these folks are dating the prom queen, probably, if I may stereotype. And so yeah you know let's uh
1: basically get real dark real quick
0: and very easy for the publishers and people to to play to play to to that but at its best it's just a conduit i mean just like shared community develops around sports or movies or anything else at its best it's just an excuse for the three of us to hang out and tell a fun story together and spend a couple hours (laughs) laughing laughing and Dressing up and being silly and using our imaginations—you um, mm-hmm. know—I I wouldn't have any problem with my my kid getting into some form of role playing if it was with mm-hmm. the right crowd. It'd be fine. It'd be like sending them over to play video games, or you know. or like reading a fantasy novel. Or yeah, or reading a fantasy novel. There are good ones, there are bad ones. There are good people, bad people. But it's one of the mm-hmm. things. Now, a point of personal interest in terms of our connection to this is that Gary Gaigax who is basically the inventor, the father of D&D. Our pastor from Bloomington, Tim Bailey, was friends with a guy whose name was Paul Cote. Cote. um, Paul Cote, yeah. They went to Northern Illinois University together. And Cote always liked to tell the story of being friends with Gary Gygax. And so there's an old Bailey blog that I'll link to Mm -hmm. where... Kote wrote for Tim a just a his history with Gygax, and it's a really positive. I don't know, Gygax wasn't a Christian or anything, but it's just like a really positive
2: view take, of, take on who this guy. I, I think I've misremembered this on the podcast before as Gygax having been a Christian, but looking at it again, I see that I was mistaken.
0: Yeah, so basically, the story that he tells is he's this 13 year old boy living in Chicago. And he gets into military board games, Gettysburg, Battle of the Bulge, and becomes part of a wargaming club in the Chicagoland area. And this would have been, I assume, in the 60s or 70s, because yeah, this would have been the 60s. So Mm -hmm. he meets Gary Gygax, who's this guy that works in Chicago and is just this really affable man with five children all close in ages. I'll just read a quote here. Unlike my parents, who I started struggling between each paycheck just to pay the mortgage and provide for me and my sister, for which I am profoundly grateful, Gary and Mary did not own their home, had even less money than my folks, and yet did not worry about money. They spent their time doing what they enjoyed doing. They valued their freedom more than their security. Clearly, they were both not uptight. Part of the great experiment in the late 50s and early 60s of pursuing happiness And yet they were not utopians. They did not believe that politics would save the world, were not into drugs or any of the excesses associated with the 60s. They were warm, friendly, and hospitable, surrounded by friends, and had a lot of fun. And so Gary was a charming man who had extraordinary charisma. He had a gift for connecting with people. And I found that even people who met Gary only a few times felt that he was a friend, he was a good listener, he was open with everybody. So the article goes on, I'll link to it. But basically... Gary's just this warm, affable kind of bohemian, and he has all these people over to his home and this guy, and and starts developing this game. And Gary takes basically two things, which, which are the kind of role-playing formula that's out there, the kind of pen and paper stuff that's starting to de- develop, and then he combines it with his love of fantasy novels and puts it together and ends up publishing a book and it sweeps the world. In the 70s and becomes big thing in the 70s and 80s and to this day and this guy this was actually one of the articles that made me rethink they published this in 2008 so this was a good 15 years ago or something like right. that Right. it
2: was at the time of the death of gary Guy Ganks. yeah
0: and and i remember and i think probably even as late as that i was still kind of had never rethought so to, to see my head pastor at the time publish a positive article memory of Gary Gygax as a really kind, you know, as the kind of guy in that in some ways a Christian family would aspire to be, you know, oh, we just always remembered being at their house and it was so warm and mm-hmm. friendly and blah, da, 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 And we played games and Gary just made you a part of whatever he was doing. That was Gary. That was interesting and eye-opening. And I think, I think it does sort of underline what is, again, positive about these things, which is like sports, like anything else, it can be a really fun way to, create community. I mean, I guess we could be real grumpy and say it's because the church isn't creating any community for people (laughs) that they have to associate around dragons. And I suppose there's some truth to that.
1: Yeah, maybe. But also, you know what? Storytelling is fun and part of how God made us, just like sports are fun and Mm -hmm. part of how God made us. And all of those things provide opportunities for us to build community and form the character of our kids and
0: well, Jake, you always have the story of your grandpa people. learning baseball so that yeah, he could connect with my dad, with your dad. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And, and that made our family like now to the third generation, a baseball family. And right. it was just like my grandpa wanted a place to connect with his son and who was becoming a teenager and realized he'd been working, he'd been working two or three jobs so that his wife could stay home. And then he just wasn't available and his son was becoming a man and so he cut back on his work. My grandma went to work part-time, and he started coaching baseball. He didn't know anything about it. He had to figure it out, and it was an opportunity to connect and to help my dad become a man and work on his character, and that translated the way that he fathered us as boys growing up and and the way that I raised my sons and how I see sports as an opportunity to build the character of my children and and connect with them.
0: Well, I think it'd be so easy for a stereotypical snotty church lady to say mm, you know why doesn't your dad actually father instead of wasting his time on baseball and not to and to totally miss the obvious which is that he is fathering through baseball the point yeah. of this actually is fatherhood baseball is simply the A conduit the channel yeah the tool and i think you can think the same way actually about the way yeah that, and
1: this is the way that we think about all kinds of dumb things it The industrial revolution has robbed us of all kinds of natural conduits for fatherhood. We don't all live on family farms where we work together, where we're out in the fields together, gardening, baling hay, you know, all the types of things that you just have to do to have a sustainable family. Right. That's not the world we live in anymore. And so we find these alternative ways of, we explore these alternative ways of building that for our kids, and people are like... Nobody's ever done that before. Well, nobody's ever lived in a post-industrial revolution world either. And we have to figure out ways to actually engage our kids and love them and shepherd them and father Mm -hmm. them and take care of them. And that our kids should be physical. They should have some physicality. Well, if you live in a suburban neighborhood, on a postage stamp lot, you're not going to have a family farm where they're going to be out bailing hay mm-hmm. and feeding the cows and stuff like that. You got to find other things. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be sports, but sports is one way that you can do that sort of thing mm-hmm. that is communal and allows for there to be all kinds of active engagement with your boys, teaching them their physical limits and pushing them and getting sunshine and exercise and all that sort of thing. And, and we're not sitting around the campfire at night telling stories and you know, people want to want to go nuts about this sort of thing where families sit around telling stories with an RPG, and and they don't blink at the fact that they would rather you, what, sit around and watch?
0: They just passively absorb the (laughs) stories that Hollywood wants to tell you? Yeah, you're going to sit and
1: watch TV? You didn't question that, right? Yeah. What has more in common with how people grew up and how people were formed and how stories shaped and formed character? Mm -hmm. And of course, stories shape and form character in bad ways.
0: Sure. But, so does baseball.
1: Yeah, so does baseball. There's all kinds of idolatry and bad fathering that happens on the, on the baseball field. Mm-hmm. It always comes down to the character of
0: the fathers, the coaches, or the storytellers. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can go to a bad youth group and be corrupted there, too. I mean, it turns out anything can be used...
2: The key element we need to remove is fun. It's fun. We just get rid of that. <laughs> be serious for once. Nailed
0: it. <laughs> Nailed it. Well, Ben, I mean, you love board games. I suspect. I just suspect your your kids are under one years old. But I just suspect some of your fatherhood will be accomplished vis a vis the channel, yeah. the tool that it'll, is nerdy board it, games. It'll be hard
2: to avoid it for me. It'll be hard. And some sure. of the
0: fathering you've done of children in our church has been through that. Some of your pastoral <laughs> work is through that. And so, I mean, my, my wife was bemoaning the, or, or just asked the question yesterday, like, ooh, our daughter can scroll, our daughter's two. She can scroll around on a phone. Do you feel bad about that, Nathan? And I just had to say no. I mean, I know there are dangers and I don't want to just hand her an iPhone when she's five. That's not my plan. Six. On, six. six. Yeah. We're waiting until she is <laughs> six years young before <laughs> she gets her first iPhone. But it's like, I'm sorry. My life is media. My life is movies and like, that's it's, it's what I do for a living. I want her to be part of that. Like, I, I actually want her to watch movies with me. I want that like, because I'm going to be watching them. And so it can be a positive, proactive thing, yeah. or it can be something that we do anyway, but I feel guilty, or I could cut it out of my life and thereby lose something that I like and enjoy out of some misplaced sense of mm, sanctimonious something or other. So you're just gonna show her Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Yep, that's what I'm saying. Nailed it. Already have. Got it. <laughs> Already have. <laughs> you figured us out. Yep. Yep. She. I send her over to the Blu-rays, and you've got like <laughs> Cannibal Holocaust, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Halloween's, whatever, and she just picks one, and we watch it together. And I say, "Oh, look at that knife go into the guy," and she says, "Goo goo gaga," and it's, it's a very sweet bonding time. <laughs> <laughs> Any other baggage? (laughs) That was a fair uh, portrayal of (laughs) my critics, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, I will say this movie that we're about to watch, and we're going to leave for it in one minute, folks. It is done by a couple gentlemen named Goldstein and Delay. Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Delay. They are a filmmaking duo. Maybe they're the new Lord and Miller. Actually, I think they probably are Diet Lord and Miller. They did the script for Horrible Bosses and Horrible Bosses 2. They directed. They actually received co-writer credits for Spider-Man: Homecoming. They did a movie called Game Night, which I know some people liked. I never saw it. They were on Flashpoint for a minute, and then Flashpoint became The Flash with, and was they went another direction. Oh yeah. But these guys are in the sort of Lord and Miller the uh, type, at least mold. The mold of <clears throat> hey, and not just because it's two guys, but because it's they're they're like the people that you get to. They're believers. They're believers. You get that. But they're believers that are also evangelists, and that's what you want. You want people that can lay pipe from whatever the nerdy IP is and then get the water flowing all the way to the public in a way that appeases the fans and appeases everybody. We
1: love this. We love all of the real things about this that the people in this culture, we're from this culture. We love everything about it. We want to bring it to the masses, and we want to bring it to the masses in a way that you nerd culture people will appreciate and love while exposing a new generation, giving you something you can give to your kids. Right. Yeah. That sort of thing. Exactly. And we're
0: going to do it in a way that doesn't sell out the thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can think of them a little bit like evangelists or pastors, a terrible analogy, but it's like the truth, the gospel has already been written. It's done. We're not creating anything. We're just figuring out how to bring it to a new generation of people. And so we're always navigating the space between being true to what is, but also giving it to a new generation. Terrible, terrible analogy. But you can see why I thought of it. All right, Mm -hmm. folks, gotta go see the movie. Bye. Bye. And we're back. We just saw Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. And I think in the timeline of our listeners, they were just listening to me saying how these guys, Goldstein and DeLay, are kind of like the poor man's lord Lord miller Miller. and that proved to be an accurate assessment (laughs) or prediction and probably not a bad prism through which to view this film which we will now proceed to give our thoughts on we're just fresh out of the movie what did you guys
2: think about dungeons and dragons honor among thieves really fun that's all that's all i got it was well put together well constructed Fantasy pastiche with lots of campy humor and lore and action. Everything just sincere enough that you cared and nothing so sincere that you were annoyed. And most of it was very deft. Guys who have absorbed the visuals of a lot of fantasy movies and know how to quickly establish a world and to make you feel like there's a lot of unopened doors that might be cool to open in a sequel. And then going to give you as much fun and invention as they can. I'd agree with that.
0: My, I mean, one slight criticism I would have of that is everything you described sounded like a wonderful 100 and let's say 10 minute mm-hmm. movie. I don't know why these <laughs> kinds of things now have to be somewhere between 2:15 and three
2: because they're fun. That's right. <laughs> I didn't resent that. I was like, yay, this is. I,
1: th- there are a lot of movies out there that I resent for being that long, and this wasn't one of them.
0: Ah, Cisco used to say, no bad movie is short enough, and no good movie is long enough. I disagree. This was a good movie that was too long. Just make it. I two want you to hours. call me Jake the Enchanter
1: for the rest of the. Play. Oh yeah, Jake is wearing <laughs> an a, Enchanter cloak. He's a yeah, blue I've got magician a cloak now. On. What are they call?
2: Who is the guy's name? Blue Tam
0: Mazarak. <laughs> <laughs> who's have the, who's no the idea. Dark Lord?
2: Oh yeah, Tam something. Tam, I'm not.
1: No, I, I'd be wearing red. I'm wearing the thalians? thalians. I'm wearing blue. Yeah, I'm a Thalian. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm that. The Thalians I'm, are the
2: race that got whatever. They like it's zombified except yep. for some of them was it tam mad who are very noble people. a alien that's what i am yeah okay. i'm the noble hero would you so are you a paladin or a mage because he was a, a paladin he's a paladin but i am a paladin mage i'm both hmm. i'm
1: just glad and that, you will respect my wishes i'm
2: just glad that you're my pal <laughs> jake <laughs>
1: <laughs> i couldn't have been more determined to hate that movie from the moment i knew that we were watching i don't it. know
0: if this, i don't remember whether this came across a couple hours ago when we recorded our pre-thing but maybe jake's so. been disgusted with the idea of seeing this movie since me and ben foisted uh, it on him two days ago oh he's my been like, goodness so you uh, i had a lot of fun
1: <laughs> it was really hard to hate it was really hard to hate it's
0: hard to hate chris pine he's a dreamboat and a very charming uh, gentleman. you know
1: he undercuts himself a lot and i do resent that about him but he was great. Hugh Grant was awesome. And yes. What they did with Michelle Rodriguez was about the best thing that you could do with Michelle Rodriguez. Sort sure of not cast her. Sure I, would, of, I would still be in favor of that. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. She's horrible, and she plays horrible people, and she play I mean, she's typecast, and she plays to cast, and plays
0: to type, <laughs> and they amp it up, and. But now she's past whatever feminine beauty she had nothing, in her twenties. You know, she just, just looks kind like of
1: a ugly
0: butch old lady Yeah, and that's what she plays I mean what I actually felt like was it was somewhat easier to not resent her in a certain sense because it was just like get some pity well but no what I actually kept thinking is huh they miscast it this was this part was supposed to go to a dude but Mm -hmm. they got Michelle Reed Rodriguez for some reason if like you could there was nothing she's so unfeminine that you could just kind of imagine that she was his barbarian warrior buddy, which is what it should have been, obviously. like That's that's what it was. But then they slotted Michelle Rodriguez in there because that's the idiotic kind of thing you have to do now. But minus kind of a tacked-on maternal thing at the end, you could just pretend like, like, ah, they they did kind of a trans thing. They put a a lady in a man's part. Mm -hmm. They didn't actually write anything like a lady's part for her.
1: No, it's a part that's like, Okay, this is Drax the Destroyer. And wouldn't it be hilarious if we got Dave Bautista to come and do this? But I know what we'll do instead. We'll just get a butch lesbian to play it. Right. Well, and That was that everyone hates. And, and then and,
2: we'll use her, we'll, we'll also make her a mom figure. Because yeah, we can. But, but vaguely, but, but vaguely, but even... Yeah, we're not going to spend a lot of time on that. No. Cause.
1: And every time, every second that we do, we're going to undercut it by the fact that she is completely unfeminine and mm-hmm. not anti-maternal right mm. so
0: the other girl was actually m- probably my favorite at least the most fun character the like druid the, the druid lady oh yeah she had her her power her little action scene in act one was fun oh and yeah really cool she got to do mm-hmm. a lot of fun stuff so i mean there is actually a way to have a lady in a movie like this and then and we had an evil sorceress as misogynist males were all about <laughs> evil bald sorceresses floating through the air and Having to be
2: defeated. Well, if it wasn't that, it would be an evil male sorcerer, which is patriarchal. So, but
1: see, there was a patriarchy because there was an evil mm, ma- male right. sorcerer behind the
2: evil female. The sorcerer. evil yes, female yes, who was using. Sorry,
1: yeah, her. Well, they called them all wizards. They mm. didn't even give it a sexual right. distinction, right? Red wizards. So they're all the, wizards. Are, the red
2: True.
0: wizards. True. I think so. Not if, witches and wizards. Just wizards. Just wizards. Couple. A couple important things to say about this movie. I think I liked it probably a little less than you guys, but I liked it a lot. It starts with the like the very beginning. I'm like, yeah, this is the kind of movie I like because it's like people, you know, horses going through snow, pulling up at a big tower thing. And then about five minutes in, I'm like, uh, I hate this movie. If not even
1: five minutes in. The minute you get to Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez in the in their
0: because they do this lame thing. Dun- even minus the sex politics of it all, even if you, even if Michelle Re- Rodriguez was played by a man, it's just still just a lame, lame, lame trope. Basically, yep. basically, there's like the big, hulking, monstrous dude, and you're like, ooh, he's so scary, and then he gets cut down to size really easily. Yeah.
1: Chris Pine's gonna be sort of laid back in the corner saying, I wouldn't do that if I were you, and he's gonna hit on the girl, mm-hmm. and then the girl's gonna beat the crap out of him. Yeah, and that's, and that's just... even just e- e-
0: such a... Lame, but even even mm-hmm. without the girl, it's just like I'm. What a tiresome. So I was just like, that's your opener. That's the getting the audience invested thing. That's like okay, and introducing our heroes. If this is Lord Miller light, then man, uh, it's there is ultra light It's ultralight. Yeah, huh. this is Michelobe, <laughs> <laughs> Michel <laughs> Miller. It's Michelobe zero. Michel- yeah. Uh-huh. So then it's I was the like, uh, and then the movie kind Two of, of took, duels. That's what you got. and Then the movie took yeah. That's what I was worried about. But then the movie took a little while to work on me. But it's one of those movies that ends so well, both in the the last act is just a lot of fun. And then the last scene is really fun and and a real crowd pleasing kind of you go out of the theater with a big smile on your face. Or actually, to tell the truth, we were all laughing uproariously Out out (laughs) out loud. And then we walked to the car and we started laughing again and we laughed for a good five minutes. And it leaves such a good impression that I that the movie probably goes up like a whole letter grade <laughs> in my mind. Like if it was a right. B minus, suddenly it's an A minus just because I walked out, you know, with those endorphins going and oh, dopamine. Was, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: I guess we, I, I don't know. So much fun. I, I don't even want to
0: spoil it. Well, it's not. Mm. We're talking about a movie that people can still go see in theater. So we yeah, should maybe make this should... a non-spoilery discussion. So... We would recommend Dungeons & Dragons. I think that's clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's too long, as is everything these days, which is an old man complaint, but, you know, I got things to do. Yeah. If you're Fort 15 and your life isn't desperately running out of your hands, like sand through a sieve, then you'll probably be happy that it's long and that you can waste a bunch of time on this garbage. Yeah, I know, I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but- it's too long. It's a little too too long. There's some emotional beats that don't work. It's not as good as like a Lord and Miller. Like it is. Mm-hmm. So the Lord and Miller formula is what? Like we're gonna take, we're gonna build a solid genre story yep. with solidly mapped out emotional beats, setups, payoffs, things that everybody can invest in, fathers, sons, whatever, that kind of stuff. And yep. then we're gonna put our insouciant sense of goofy hipster humor on.
1: We're going to twist some things, we're going to be a little tongue-in-cheek, but we're going to mostly stay true to the formula. We might wink in a couple of places, but those places where we wink are going to be, we're never going to be sideways to the material.
0: Right, we're going we're to make things as goofy as we possibly can and as hip as we possibly can without ever actually burning the audience's ability to invest emotionally and yeah. uh, across, or what's the actual Spider-Verse movie that we've seen called? Into the Spider Verse is the best example of that sort of thing. I mean, it's just it is brilliantly done. Mm-hmm. This movie no it doesn't come close to establishing those emotional stakes or those great characters or all
1: kinds of irony. But it's never without it. Never at the expense of the sincere story that they're telling in the heart of the story. Yeah,
0: if you think about Thor three and Thor four there's moments where you're like actually starting to get into the heroism and then old Taika Waititi comes along and nudges you in the ribs and says heroes are dead and fathers suck and Thor throws a ball and it bounces and it (laughs) knocks him over because he's a moron (laughs) and then you have no emotional stakes in the movie. Gordon Miller never do that. Yeah, they don't do that. They always know where to sacrifice a joke, sacrifice a moment that could be fun because we have to have stakes. We have to actually care. Go ahead. I, what? We have to have stakes Yes. <laughs> you smiled, you want to say something
2: I, I was just thinking Maybe part of the movie's charm is that it's Lord and Miller are more, they're just structurally tighter yeah. Everything they do is tighter And this movie is like, we're just going to play mm. Like, Yeah, it's a big sandbox This is a big sandbox and we're going to have The best time we can and all the parts of it I think that's why I didn't resent its length That might mean that it loses something on a second viewing Yeah, what I would say well, is, well, Where of Spider-Verse it, might gain on a second viewing
1: Well, so I think part of it I was processing this from the perspective of I don't believe in this franchise. Uh-huh. And so part of what I actually appreciated about the movie was how not tight it was in the sense that they're just like, this may be our one shot to play in this sandbox. Mm-hmm. So we're, burn all our good ideas. We're gonna man. burn a lot of good ideas. We're gonna splash around in this sandbox. and we're gonna every good idea we can think of, we're gonna try to throw fit in, shoehorn in. And if it doesn't all fit, that's okay, but we want everybody to know we really love this property and care about this property and think it's a super fun place to be, and if they love it like we love it, they'll love all the fun things that we do with it, and I don't know, maybe that'll even buy us enough goodwill to get us the second movie.
0: I dare say it probably will.
1: But that's sort of how I (laughs) processed and how I felt. Yeah. I don't know anything about the property, so like... Easter eggs all over my head, whatever they were, I'm sure they were there all over the place. I know almost
0: nothing, but I know just enough to actually be able to know what I don't know. So I could see that a lot of care went into making sure the fans had all kinds of little fan service yeah, moments yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. I felt yeah.
1: that. I felt that there was a lot of moments that were not for me or little things that were not for me, but I there were Still for me in the sense that I appreciate it. There's never anything where you just felt
0: like, well, this is this must be for the fans.
1: Yeah, it's sort of like watching a Harry Potter movie without watch, having mm-hmm. read Harry Potter or watching Lord of the Rings without having read Lord of the Rings, where you, you feel like, okay, there are things going on and things about this world that are being hinted at that I would get if I knew this world better, right? And I don't, and that's okay because. It just signals that next level of of depth. This, I mean, it's reading The Lord of the Rings without having any of Tolkien's backstory. There's mm-hmm. just more to it. And that just makes it a richer, more fun experience on any level. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I get what you guys are saying. I appreciated the fact that the structure was loose enough that it was really just about the set pieces. And I thought the individual set pieces were just fantastic. They were I a lot of fun. My interest yeah. flagged maybe, or flagged, is that what yeah, I want? Yeah, that's right. In between... The set. So I would say mm-hmm. the graveyard scene, awesome, and people will know what we mean when they <laughs> see the movie. The dragon scene, the big dungeon quest mm-hmm. scene, awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, the labyrinth Min- minotaur style gladiatorial mm-hmm. thing, awesome. Like all the individual set pieces were great. And then, like the we're gonna talk and make our plans, and so, a, a lot of that stuff. It's like ah, this feels a little Marvel. Like just started uh, with the, the quips aren't as sharp as they need to be. We and just well, the in, investment's not quite there. And
1: in 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 those moments, they showed how much they
0: were borrowing from Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: It really especially. made me think.
0: Maybe Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. Guardians of the I Galaxy is such a good. Movie for world building and for character introduction it's just a master class in, and and all it's doing is like what the magnificent seven you know any put together a team movie does but james gunn did that really well and it's pretty clear that that's this generation's template for okay we got to introduce a bunch of characters and get them all together and make a found family like this is how you do that and- yeah and
1: then you're gonna hit a lot of the exact same beats and if you're the minute they, t- they tipped their hand pretty obviously to that early on, I felt like. Even with the breaking out of prison stuff, I, I just felt like I was in a Guardians movie that was in a different world with a different mm-hmm. set of characters. And then once you have that filter on, then you see even the little beats that are like, okay, we're all going to resolve to do this stupid plan, so we're all going to stand up. And Rocket Raccoon's going to say, now I'm standing too. We're all standing. Isn't that great? And we're going to have a moment where it's like, Okay, we're going to resolve to make a plan to go do the stupid thing. We're all going to sit on the rock. I would sit on the rock too, but there's no more room. Every yeah, little thing there's, like there's that, there are things. a bunch, a bunch of Guardians.
0: Mm-hmm. Le- and some stuff from the Joss Whedon movies. Uh, we right. won't spoil it all because some of it is fun. I mean, they're the reason they're stealing some of this stuff is because it's fun. <laughs> so
1: They'd probably say they were homages, and that's, that's fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, the death of a certain important villain character felt like such a rip off of mm-hmm. something that happened yeah. in a Marvel movie that although it was again fun it was very it fun wasn't,
1: um, it was cathartic it was well earned
0: but also but also man come on guys come on come find a different way to do that like you, <laughs> could, you could do the same and i don't want to give it away but you could have the same audience effect the same sort of joke With but a
1: little more creativity than just doing the exact just doing the
0: exact same, same thing, thing. So and then we had a character. We had two characters that had kind of the Drax, They take things literally or don't understand colloquialisms or right some of that. So mm-hmm. I wish they'd done a rewrite or reached a little harder with some of that mm-hmm. stuff. But it's a, but as you guys have been saying, it's a really hard movie to resent. Cause, I mean,
1: Michelle Rodriguez is Zoe Saldana,
0: right? The
1: paladin dude was Drax. but they kind of. <laughs> <clears throat> mismatched, yeah. they split them up. Yeah, he's like Drax right.
2: plus I'll be the moral center while I'm around. I really right. liked the paladin dude. I thought he was he, awesome. He was, he was really awesome. Funny. so much fun. He yeah.
1: was super fun. And he fun. did such a great, whoever that actor is, I don't know who he is. Yeah. Do you know who he is? Uh, he did I, such I, a I great job team. of just playing it so perfectly straight.
0: Well, that's where I feel like a James Gunn or certainly a Taika Waititi wouldn't actually give that character dignity. And what they did was we can all laugh at how what a straight arrow this character is, and the movie's laughing too, but also he's allowed to have real heroic dignity, yeah, and that was fun,
1: yeah, and he's is just actually... sort of like a very we can we can laugh at him, but he is a really legit, upright, noble, heroic badass,
0: right, and when he shows up in the movie. That's a breath of fresh air. Like, oh, we don't actually just have to have warrior women and sort of smarmy dudes playing sideways and being. Like, we can actually just have a hero, and that's, that's actually something that that doesn't have a guardian's analog. I guess you could say Captain America is the analog in the that whole universe, the Marvel universe.
1: But then the Reset brothers, you know,
0: yeah, they, undercut
1: the crap out of that. They so. undercut
0: the crap out of that. So, so yeah, it's it's a super fun movie. Hugh Grant, I love this phase of Hugh Grant's career where he's just like, oh, by the way, I hated all those rom-coms you made me star in in the 90s. And now I just want to play (laughs) smarmy. Bit pieces. Bad guys and (laughs) get a paycheck. man. I actually just watched the masterpiece that is Paddington 2 yesterday for the first time. So I have had my, my double dose of two wonderful. Hugh Grant hates his old persona and wants to make fun of it as much as he possibly can performances and Hugh Grant has a lot of fun and does a good job of playing a credibly hissable villain that you don't like but also kind of goofing on the whole idea of a villain in this sort of thing and <laughs> he's got some really
1: some pretty amazingly I don't know you almost want to say cute moments in this movie yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. <he's, laughs> yeah. it's just like he's playing a cute in a really tongue-in-cheek fun. Can't be, I don't know. It's like old school classic villain type of yeah. mustache twirling. I don't know. It's just fun.
0: Yeah, it's the kind of thing that Spielberg and Lucas were so good at. Can, can we have a character that plays sideways to the material and plays sincere with the? You know, mm-hmm. this guy is a despicable bad guy that we can all root against and. He's got enough of that, but it, it was also like Hugh Grant on screen, just in his relationship with the audience. He, hey, it's me, it's Hugh Grant. So I shouldn't even be here. You know, there's. I managed to work my way to the top through the charm that
1: everybody around me seems to hate. <laughs> 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 That's like his character, uh-huh. right?
0: And I know it. <laughs> so, yeah, it was good. It was fun. Yeah, I mean. Just for interest, I guess, uh, I can make other criticisms. Just so, so we have more to say. So we have more to say. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, I do miss a uh, – Siskel and Ebert always said, and they are obviously my guiding star when it comes to criticism, if you haven't figured that out. I only quote them every episode one way or another. Criticize the movie they made, not the movie you wish they'd made, which is good criticism, good good advice. You can't just say, well, I wish it would have done something totally different and aimed to be something, but allow me to do that. A little sense of wonder, maybe? A little sense of fantasy sort of otherness and wonder? Just a sprinkling more? There's a smidge maybe with the villains, evil red zombie dust.
1: There were things about the... I wish I knew knew the names of any of these characters. I haven't. That's kind of a fail. Couldn't tell you one, But the paladin guy. Zink. Zink. He was hinting at other things. And when they went into that, that dungeon like uh, and met the dragon.
0: Yeah, that's right. You had some stuff just to, even in the set design in the CGI little environment that was, oh, this is kind of old and cool and mm-hmm. yeah, tells a story. Yeah, these
1: like, little things that are coming out and they look beautiful like you'd want to touch them. But you also know that you probably shouldn't touch those things. Uh-huh. And, and he talks about, you know, when he talks about his wife, he's like, they're, consider that there are planes of existence and he'd be pulling her from her new life. It gave a whole sense of this Mm -hmm. other worldliness layers to this universe that had some, I thought some did a nice job of presenting a sense of wonder about the. Yeah. There were moments like that. I just, but they were small. I feel like
0: I was never, as we talked about into dungeons and dragons, but I certainly read some fantasy books from of that vintage, you know, the seventies, eighties, nineties fantasy books. And I certainly would, See the covers at the library and stuff, and anytime you see a like a painting of a guy walking into a dungeon with a torch and a sword, and and you if it's a good one and it makes you want to read the book, you kind of have this feeling of ah, what would it be like to be an adventurer in a dungeon? What would your soul kind of stirs with deep dark dungeons and mythical creatures and far off lands and all that kind of stuff? Is kind of what draws you to Dungeons and Dragons or anything like that in the first place. And that obviously wasn't a major factor, even in their thinking, as they no. put together this movie. And I think that's, that's no, you're too not bad. gonna
1: If you're gonna like, if you're looking for any moments like you would get in the minds of Moria, right? Mm-hmm. None of that's gonna happen. What's gonna happen is you're gonna be in this minds of Moria like place, which you're just gonna find yourself. Excuse me, you're just gonna find yourself there, and then you're gonna think, "This is Dungeons and Dragons." It's about time a dragon showed up, and then a dragon's gonna show up, mm-hmm. and that's gonna be the thought process that happens. It's just gonna be like it moves you from one thing to the next without sort of pausing and giving you space to think about the mystery or the wonder or the any sense of foreboding. There's not a lot of stillness or you know yeah, space, expanse, even visually, it's very crowded, so you're not gonna be like. I mean, Peter Jackson does his dopey, you know, zooms and swoops and things like that. But he also gives you, mm-hmm. you a yeah, sense to,
0: of... We've criticized the way he does it a million times, but at least he wants to do it. Everything is you.
1: big or overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Or, or We're really small in this great big world. And there's a lot going on here. And let's just pause and take some
0: of this in. None of that happened. Well, I mean, <laughs> they, Peter Jackson, literally, they're going to include the scene where Gandalf says, we may risk a little light here and then ooh, we're in Moria, look at these big pillars. And then immediately a threat presents itself and we're done with that. But at least you have that moment. That moment. And if you take the templates that all these kinds of modern movies are taking from, if you think about Star Wars, if you think about Indiana Jones, what's so great about those 80s brats was that they, they knew how to do that. Mm-hmm. Star-, Star Wars plays completely sideways to the material the whole time. It's one big joke. And yet, you feel the power and the allure of the force. You feel the evil of Darth Vader. You feel the ancient evil of the Emperor. The Raiders of the Lost Ark is probably the best example because there's yeah. almost nothing that's particularly serious about that movie. But the power of God that looms over the movie and the power and the ancient kind of quality of the Ark is so present. And, and maybe that's just they hired John Williams. Yeah. Uh, but
1: I was as you were talking, I was wondering... Same thing, but...
0: You hire John Williams, and then you have a few scenes where things slow but they, down But enough. they don't
1: actually have anything to represent that in this movie. Right. I mm-hmm. mean, the helm is maybe the closest thing right. that you could have, but they don't build lore around the helm. If there's any lore, it actually comes around the guy who's guarding it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And the place that he puts it could have all of that, but they it is sold short on... If we're comparing it scale-wise to anything that you're going to find in Lord of the Rings, or the Ark of the Covenant in in Raiders, or, you know, even the Force. and
0: Or Spider-Verse even, I think, creates an urban environment that has its own, I mean, it's not exactly the same, but it has a sense of place, a sense of you're grounded in a world that matters, and you're evoking some a time, a place, an ethos that, something like this, and something like most of the Marvel movies that it's kind of taking its template from don't actually do. I mean that that is the maybe the big charge actually to bring against the whole this whole school of filmmaking is that it's just not really about anything at the end of the day. And I understand somebody listening might be screaming, Nathan, they did not set out to make a movie about anything. They set out to make a, f- a fun time at the movie. Okay, great. We've said it's fun. I, and I said it
1: is a fun time at the movie. And I prefaced all of
0: this by saying, mission accomplished. Criticize the movie that they made, not the movie you wish they'd made. But I just thought, hey, it would have been nice if they would have made a slightly different movie. I mean, I think Spielberg, Lucas, people like that prove you actually can make a movie like this that's just barrels of fun, but also is connected to something that humans fear or desire or Mm -hmm. want that goes a little deeper. Even something as kind of pathetic as Temple of Doom is at least connected to a sense of satanic darkness that we can all tap into and feel something about. And and this movie just doesn't feel like we, I think to me, it feels as much like a moral failing of modern movies in that we are such a sort of woke androgynous Mm -hmm. to state definitively that this is a societal fear or this is a societal desire is to risk alienating people. So I think there's actually a moral quality to the fact that we don't tap into deep fears and desires.
1: It, you know, the stuff of it was right there. Yeah, it's close Be- because General Zod's, what's his name? The bad guy? No,
0: Maz Taber. Z- starts or- with
1: a Z. Zank. Zank. Zank's parents were zombified and turned against him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that scene came the closest. And we had, y- if we had just lived a little bit more and allowed a little bit more of the horror of that to sink in before moving before hinting at it moving past it you could have done a lot of that the work that you wanted it to it might have made it a little less
0: family friendly family
1: friendly and that's certainly almost certainly what they were thinking and even if the makers of the movie weren't thinking that hasbro sure was
0: yeah, who have their name prominently displayed at the top. Of, at the top and know. the bottom. Yeah, presented by...
1: Hasbro. And then at the end, the very first thing that comes on the screen before credits is
0: Hasbro. Yeah, there's two production houses. There's not... Some movies will have like 10 of them. There's This is Paramount and Hasbro, I think, are the two.
1: They are definitely intent on you knowing, if you want to play this game or go further in this property, Hasbro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You walk away knowing Hasbro and... I mean, that had to have some impact on certain aspects of how the story was told. Without Well, the zombie scene in
0: particular felt a little actually weird to me because I was like, because there's a jump scare and you expect something PG-13, but scary to come out and the camera kind of cranes away from it. Like you don't really get to see the faces of the scary thing. And there's a way you could do that where it's like, it's scarier what you don't see, but it doesn't feel like that. It just feels like, eh, we didn't really want to do anything to frightening there. Actually the the scene that most evoked that kind of horror for me was when the witch is talking to her master or something like that. He's uh-huh. just yeah. in the shadows. That was kind of cool.
2: Yeah, and they never followed up with him either.
0: Yeah, I guess I guess he's for this from the sequels. Well, the other question I had, no, she he, the guy, was he that, the underling guy? He's you know, the guy that, that led the
2: rebellion. That led that and rebellion in the Zamba first fight place. everyone. And now he he's he's his
0: Right. So he's still People. like Sauron, you That's know working right. in the background he's for, behind the scenes, for part two.
1: Puppeteering. What it.
0: about her, the dude that came to help her and punished all the guys?
2: Did did he We have no idea. Did that was, happen with him? He was just an assassin. One of the so he was he'd be one of Zank's brothers who was zombified and turned into an assassin.
0: Oh, I guess he was the one that accosted them in the dungeon. That's right. Okay. And then did he have a end?
2: Well, I don't think that we quite knew. Okay. I think that they left I think it that, open.
1: Yeah, I think that... I mean, they left a lot of pieces on the table for a sequel while trying to bring... I mean, I think it felt like they were covering their bases, right? Like, they wanted the movie to be satisfying in and of itself and to not feel like it left too many things open right. if they didn't get to move on, but they wanted to leave enough pieces on the table for what they wanted to do next if they got greenlit.
0: I think the reason I'm confused is because in a, in a traditional movie... Back in the days of craftsmanship, you'd have like a beat where the person is like, "I'm coming back next time." It might even just be a camera shot of their faces. They go, Ugh. or it might literally be like, "I'll see you again, Zank." Right. But you didn't have that, and so you didn't have like a yeah. second to just acknowledge like this guy is still out there.
1: Yeah, and I think it's just part of the. I mean, I suspect it's just part of the. We want. We had a. We had a. We have a two or we have a trilogy mapped, or we've got a t- you know a two parter mapped, and nobody's everybody's willing to put the money behind the first one, and nobody mm-hmm. is willing to give us anything for the second one, and we don't know how to roadmap a fully satisfying conclusion that still leaves all of our bridges to our sequel. It felt like there was just mm-hmm. some they didn't quite get all those loops closed or. That question resolved the way that they would have wanted to. I, that's my trying to give them the
0: benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think in some ways it plays it better as a one one off than it does as a setup, which is nice in the days. Which I think of is good. Marvel, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like you didn't you have know, to feel like unsatisfied. Like, oh no, we didn't get to see Zaz Mazzaratas. Well, it's attack. always
1: the right decision to make a movie that works as a movie.
0: I hope Kevin Feige is listening right now and blushing with shame. It's always the
1: right decision, and yeah, and that's the—I mean—that's the failure of all the franchise properties at this point. Is nothing's complete in and of itself. Nothing's simply enjoyable in and of itself. It all depends on everything else, and you get five thousand moving parts, and eventually nobody wants to even bother keeping up with it. Yeah, it's just too much. Yeah, that's right.
0: I think that being said. I hope that this movie makes enough money. I I could see them if they have the space to know we're going to do parts two and three, really developing something cool with that actually has a little bit more of the qualities we were just Mm -hmm. saying. Yeah, that would be great.
1: There's another movie that I keep wanting to compare this one to that I've wanted to compare it to from the moment it started and that's Guy Ritchie's King Arthur Mm -hmm. movie, Uh, which I really enjoyed. Yes. I really enjoyed that movie and it got panned and I think everybody was wrong. And I know that Ben agrees with me.
2: The fans basically recognize that. I mean, it, people were like, why did this movie get panned? If you'll find comments like all over the place. It like got that. panned
0: because they called it King Arthur. Everyone went expecting a King Arthur story and then it did something else. And I know you guys are okay with that. But some of us, when we go to a King Arthur movie, want a King Arthur movie. I don't think that's why um, it got panned. I think it was mismarketed, miss. mis
2: it was perhaps a setup to an actual King Arthur story. Yeah, but the thing is, he wrote a setup. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that if he had, which I was excited about.
0: I like the movie. I like the movie. I just think um, I don't think you do. <laughs> no, I, I really do. I really do. It actually does a number of things that I was just complaining about. This movie. I mean, it actually has some real lore and
2: sense of wonder, sense and of I, wonder. even has, yeah, some it has immorality. a bunch of,
0: yeah.
1: It has a bunch of similar things. Charlie Hunnam's awesome. I just think mm-hmm. as an
0: adaptation of a property that I care deeply oh. about, it's evil. It's like it, it doesn't care about anything that mm-hmm. the real King that, Arthur, Arthur story cares about. And that makes me angry, you can tell. But as a thing that's just doing its own thing that happens to use names from something that I love. you know, It'd be like if somebody made a, a Lord of the Rings thing and they were just doing other things. If you loved Tolkien, you <laughs> might be mad was well, not a great
2: analogy. But um I, well, well, I guess I guess I don't I've having read a decent amount of King Arthur based stuff. I've seen so many spin-offs I just I kind of feel like to me it's plastic, you can do what you want. Yeah, I mean, that's I, how I feel about it. I, I mean, I've
1: read a lot I, of Arthur too. I,
2: but... I don't feel like a true keeper of Arthur yeah, I, legend at all. Yeah, I, I, so, I guess I do.
0: For, I guess I am a true keeper of I, the yeah, legend. I, I think you
2: are and to me it's just like, well, take it and play with it it seems like that's what people have been doing for ages in different fantasy books. So,
0: yeah, I mean there is just something about Guy Ritchie's sort of bloke,
2: the way that he plays with it, you think yeah, it's disre- guess, deeply disrespectful to the source material. Well, it's material? just like
0: whatever else King Arthur was in the mythology, he wasn't a bloke. I don't think King Arthur was a bloke going on capers. I don't <laughs> mind a good movie about a bloke going on capers, punching people and stuff. Love all that stuff, but uh Just hashtag not my King Arthur. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my only point was that... Yeah, sorry. We went down to King Arthur. Uh, One day we'll just have to do that. Yeah, I I brought it up
1: and we had to get all the vial out. So I could just simply say that it was a movie that was clearly a setup for a franchise that you had to buy into the franchise or the idea behind the franchise or be excited about the upcoming franchise in order to buy into the movie. Right. And so you could say that as a movie in and of itself, I still think it it works and is a lot of fun and, mm-hmm. and is worth going back to. But it makes you really
0: sad because you're like, man, I wouldn't like to have seen that. I want more. That's the, right. The, right? I want yeah. more.
1: of it, it, it. It's meant to make you, to leave you wanting more. And this movie just closes a couple more loops to be a little bit more satisfying in and of itself. And I think that might actually buy it what it wants hmm. in a way that... Richie, by trying to leave you wanting more and being a little bit less satisfying in and of himself, might have shot himself in the foot a little bit.
2: I think so. Richie also has the problem of being just artsy enough with what he's doing. that To be a little alienating. People are not going to get, not everyone is going to be into it. They're not even going to get it. They're Mm. not even going to be like, oh, I see what he's doing with this action scene or this drama beat. No. It's like, uh, he's just going to push it a little much. Yeah. And I love that. Like, that's exactly what I wanted. And He's I, got
1: something coming. What was the thing
2: I saw that he's doing next? Operation Fortune. G- that's already out. That, that no. already came and went. No one cares no, about that. No, it's like a big property again. Is it really? Yeah. I uh, mean, I, I hope springs eternal for as far as Guy Ritchie goes. I mean, now, that is a fantasy movie that does successfully have some gravity, breathing room.
0: Yeah, yeah a villain that's really interesting and interestingly motivated
2: and yeah it has it has a lot of it has a lot of stuff a sense of wonder yeah yeah
0: i like that movie and i think i'd like it even more now that i know what it is if right. i've only ever seen oh, it the it's once a,
1: it's just a straight up jake Gyllenhaal movie oh that thing yeah i don't know it looks
0: okay i mean i'm excited about it on principle because it's guy richie but it doesn't look very exciting. Like if I didn't know it was Guy Ritchie, I wouldn't be excited about it. Yeah, that's
1: I, that's I, what I thought. Actually, I was trying to remember. So I thought, it's weird that my brain did this. My brain translated it to something like big big franchise, vanilla. Yeah. But that's because the trailer was looked like a very vanilla story. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Shot and put together trailer-wise in a pretty vanilla way. And then yeah. you see Guy Ritchie's name, you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. It's weird. This is this can't be all it seems
0: to be. The trailer looks like a direct-to-video for guys that are interested right. in Afghanistan war movies kind of movie. Yeah. And then you're like, well, it can't just be that. I, I,
2: I think Guy Ritchie has a marketing problem and has for a while. Yeah, I think you're right. Although, <laughs> I think Guy
1: Ritchie just has a Guy Ritchie problem. I mean, yeah. I think he gets it in his own way. I mean, if you try to watch some of his er, early movies, I mean, I don't know.
0: Well, I watched, I've talked about this before on this or other podcasts, but I watched Salman Rushdie's masterclass. And Salman Rushdie says,
1: You've talked about this before? I think
0: so. Hmm. You'll, you'll recognize the thing I'm about to say. Maybe I've forgotten to attribute it to Salman Rushdie, but he says, Your first sentence has to tell people what your book is about or they will hate you." you. You can think you're so clever making them think it's a drama, and then aliens show up in the third act. But one way or another, you have to be like, this is the kind of book that has aliens, or people will not set their expectations correctly. And so he actually talks about Midnight's Children, which is a book full of magical realism, and I forget what the first sentence is. It doesn't say like, this is a magical book full of magical realism, but one way or another, it tips its hat. And I think that's what Ben is kind of saying when he says people go into a Guy Ritchie movie and they don't even know how to process like what this is. I was Um, born
1: in the city of Bombay once upon a time.
0: Yeah, it's that once upon a time. It's just the once upon a time. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) all the signal that he felt like he needed. And I think he was right. Right. So it could be a subtle signal, but one way or another, you have to tell people like, this is where to situate yourself in order to enjoy what I'm about to do. And well, I, and you
1: can't argue with it. A, a sentence like that. If you go anywhere in that book and say, I just can't believe that you tried to tell this wild, magical realism story. He can say, go back and read the first line. Right. I literally said once upon a time in the first sentence, I told you this was a fairy story. Right. What, what else could I have done differently?
0: Right. So it's not that you necessarily... So then it feels fair. Right. It's not that you necessarily have to say there's going to be aliens but one way or another you have to be like this is the type of book where there could be aliens once you have that in your head you begin to see like like with those glasses on you just see constantly that this is why things fail because they set exp- it's it's why producers and creatives and people will say your third act problem is always a first act problem and you begin to see that all over the place where it's just like oh If I had known what kind of story I was in, then I would be happy that the lovers didn't get together. But you signaled signaled to me that there was going to be a happy ending. And it felt like, and now I'm mad at you for being unfair. If you just told me we were in an indie drama, then I would have been, or if you just told me we were in a romantic comedy, but instead I thought we were in an indie drama. And so it feels real cheap that the lovers got together. You start to see things like that. All over the place. And all of that to say nothing to do with Dungeons and Dragons, really, which does a terrific job of telling you exactly what it is mm-hmm. pretty yeah. quickly. But um, Guy Ritchie, I think, with the Sherlock Holmes movies, he actually did a, the trailer. It's like, okay, it's Robert Downey Jr. and steampunk action Sherlock Holmes. Like, that's a wild conceit with a couple different layers, but we all get it really yeah. quickly. And then we're, and then we're there then for you're it. We're
1: there for it. It's just, it, it is what it is. It's going to be a. Mm-hmm. Guy Ritchie's, Robert Downey Jr.'s steampunk, Sherlock Holmes.
2: Writing. That that is what he did with trailers for King Arthur. I remember watching them. What I think is, people were not really there for a sword and sorcery film of that kind right then. Yeah, he, he did signal, hey, this is crazy. This is a caper film. It's also, he's, but people were like, eh,
0: well, whatever. I think I think you have a problem of how do you signal that? It's like uh, yeah, it's, it's not what it's people very want hard. from that movie or. The people, the audience that wants that movie has found that movie, but and that includes all three of us, including me. Sure, sure. But, but no, I, but I think was, it was hard. So many of his movies, you know, he has his early stuff where it's like brutal indie Tarantino kind. Of, that's an easy enough thing to signal, or it was at that time. But ever since then, I think he's had a problem where it's like, unless he's just doing his Guy Ritchie co- criminal British thing, it's hard for him to kind of place. This is himself. me and
1: Jason Statham. You know what this is going right.
0: to be, and so. Yeah, I mean, I think Guy Ritchie's is one of those guys that has trouble with that. And it's not really his fault. I mean, it happened to me. I watched, uh, oh, what's that movie? Ben likes it a lot. The 60s spy.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, the Man from U.N.C.L.E. I'm yeah, a big fan. Yeah, and I was just like,
0: uh, this is not the movie I thought I was getting. And, it's, and the movie's like, no, I'm much more clever. I'm subverting the movie. I'm like, yeah, but I wanted the movie and ben's like but nathan it subverted it in all these clever ways and i'm like yeah but i wanted the movie and i bet if i went back and watched it i would be like with clear expectations i probably 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 would would like it i think i was tired that day i don't know but i didn't know what i was in for and i resented it and that happens to people all the time Uh, and Dungeons of the Dragons almost did that to me by just having a lame, obvious joke at the beginning so and saying, like, "Okay, well, you've made me a promise that you're going to be lame, obvious, cliched,
3: mm-hmm. and
0: yep. paid on all my favorite fantasy things with feminist uh, garbage, so uh, I'm not going to like you." And then the movie won me back fairly quickly,
2: right? Um,
0: <laughs> with a fantastic early sort of joke, joke. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, it was pretty annoying when. Pine kept coming back interrupting his story to me cuz i thought the joke was oh yeah i mean i knew we were wait the setup was belabored I, it was belabored the setup was belabored i did not believe in the payoff until it, until it happened yeah, yeah the payoff was great <laughs> but it was just like because of how that that initial introduction to pine and and Michelle Rodriguez's character all played out. I just was, was like, okay, well this backstory is actually pretty well done, but you just keep belaboring the fact, you keep saying, we're setting up a thing, we're setting up a thing.
0: Yeah, although and interestingly,
1: it just kept annoying me. Just like, huh. come on
0: guys. You're making me think, remember, I saw a Guardian, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy when it first came out felt all fresh and everything. I saw it twice in the theaters, and both times I actually saw audiences go through a similar process where Chris Pratt's on that planet dancing by himself and the guys show up. And the audience is kind of like, eh, we don't know if we trust what you're doing. We don't know if this is funny. And then they go to the city and they're chasing each other and we're introducing Rocket and Groot and the audience is kind of like, yeah, this is cute. But then you get to that prison and I don't know what happens there, but somehow the movie locks in and the audience, there's probably, there's some big jokes and stuff. Drax shows up and is very lovable. And then the audience is just, they buckle their seatbelts and they trust what James Gunn's doing. And it's interesting to watch that process. And Dungeons and Dragons actually isn't dissimilar. It's it's almost like they copied something that didn't quite work from the first Guardians where it's like, we're going to take a little while to put our pieces together, but then we're going to have a big fun thing that's going to lock you in, but you're not going to know whether you trust us or not. But yeah. What else do you guys want to say about Dungeons and Dragons? Honor. Among thieves, yeah, Chris Pine. He's got no skills. He's like a the leader and the he's the Chris Pratt of the group, uh, mm-hmm. but less annoying than the real Chris Pratt. But too bad that's our archetype, I guess. But whatever. It's it, too bad. I'm not the first person to point this out, but what people have said is, if you just imagine that every person in the every character in this game is a type of person that you'd encounter doing a tabletop RPG kind of thing, that does actually make it more fun because then it's like, well. Jake's headphones just popped off of his head. I think a witch might be in here. Because then it's like, well, Michelle Rodriguez, she's like our friend who's a girl that hangs out with the guys and insists on playing the barbarian and is just like the, our butch high school friend that wants to play that character for whatever daddy issues reason she has. And, and Chris Pine, he's like the guy that is naturally charismatic and came along and wanted to play the game and is good at it, but also... You know, doesn't care as much. Doesn't he's not like the nerd. He's he, not going to know any of the lore, actually. To be quite honest, if Jake played our Dungeons and Dragons, like if me and Ben did a game right now, Jake would never be the dungeon master, and he'd make fun of the dungeon master. But the thing that Jake's really good at in life, as a pa- head pastor, a CEO, this kind of stuff, is tactics and resource allocation and wanting to win.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and that would make Jake a very, very effective. Dungeons and Dragons player and he would probably choose something stupid like a paladin then he'd bust up and he'd end up being the leader of the group and those of us who actually cared about the lore would be a little annoyed and that's if you want to see Chris Pratt through that lens or Chris Pine Pine Mm -hmm. through that lens it it actually is a kind of perfect character type for a Dungeons and Dragons movie even though it's also an annoying (laughs) emasculated male role so so who are you guys in this well the character type that they created for people that feel like they are nerds and outcasts is the magician dude obviously uh-huh. yeah and if you're a nerd and outcast who thinks you're really highly of yourself i guess you could be the druid the druid or the, um, the paladin the, the black guy paladin dude. yeah the druid is a great character for a girl to be you know just the, the really magical character
1: The paladin is just the very self-serious, noble, the guy who thinks that... It's that nerd meme of the guy who's taking his karate, you know, in his karate outfit with his arms crossed.
0: Right. Paladin, like, is the dungeon master if you're playing a game of Dungeons & Dragons, probably. Like, he's the guy that actually takes this stuff seriously and is actually good at it. and Knows all the lore. Knows all the lore, cares about the lore, and... You kind of have to split him between it's, it's it's him and the magician guy, you know, the nerdy mm-hmm. guy who feels powerless, but yep. wants to level up within the universe. Mm-hmm. So it's clever. I mean, on, on one metatextual level, it's really fun. On another metatextual level, we hate men and think they're all stupid and worthless. And Although it, it was has fun. its cake and eats it too, though. It,
1: yeah, it, 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 it very really much does. does because the fun thing about. The dynamic between the druid and, and the wizard, mage, or whatever, is he's like, I made a pass at this girl, and she rejected me because I was too insecure.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right? And there's just yeah. like his whole thing is that he's bound up and insecure, and until he finds himself and beats himself, he has no shot. Yeah. And when he does, he gets a shot, even though he's still... Got his little weakness thing going on.
0: I would say any movie not made in 2023 would have him rescue her at the end. Like that would be how he proved himself. Cause that's just like a standard thing that we used to do, but we can't have women be in jeopardy anymore and we can't have men rescue them.
2: Well, they gave, they did. They give you a little bit. Yeah. I mean, in very, the fight scene. Yeah. They, I mean, that was their nod. Look, he's able to save her now mm-hmm. for a second
0: i think what actually did that really well was Paddington 1. Paddington had that trope done in a very
2: funny self-aware oh, man. with the dad and the mom. That was uh, great. I kept being like, okay, now they're going to subvert it. It'll be woke. Then I was like, no, this movie was made 10 years ago, more. Mm-hmm. They're not.
0: We were allowed to. It's actually a
2: good movie. In our little children's
0: bear fairy tale, <laughs> no one was paying enough attention. There could be a dad. Yeah.
2: <laughs> we don't hate
0: him. We don't hate him. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to watch true... <laughs> masterpieces of fantasy yeah. and magic Then I just watched both Paddington movies yesterday for the first time. Watched the first one with my daughter. Her big comment was, bear! <laughs> <laughs> she really liked the bear. And she kept <laughs> saying, bear! For 90 minutes. <laughs> and she'd watch for a little bit, be absorbed, and then she'd be like, she'd point and say, bear! So, on that level, on the level Success. of a movie having a bear, it achieved... The movie made a promise to her.
2: And then it, it delivered little... that from
0: does it have an owl bear in it? An owl like Albert Dumbledore?
1: No, like the owl bear in the movie we just watched. Oh
0: yeah, oh. Well, this movie did have an owl bear. Yeah. Yeah. Harry Potter has an owl bear. No, it did not have it. It just had Paddington Bear and a couple other Peruvian Buck talking gears. Who's that? Buckbeak. It's kind of an owlbear. So what you mean? He's more like an owl horse. He's mm. a
2: he's a centaur, isn't he? Or a griffin? No, he's, he's a, a, a griffin. griffin. He's a griffin.
0: In any case, watch the two Paddington movies, masterpieces, absolute masterpieces, highly recommend them. I know you all have kids and so you all already knew this, but as someone late to the party, I just want to say, what a great party. I'm going to sip some champagne over here with Paddington.
2: Yeah, they're great. Um, I got to see number two now.
0: It's great. A little bit more like woke and whatever, but not in a way that ruins it. All right. What else do we want to say? So we all like Chris Pine. We all like the metatextual element of this movie.
2: Except for Michelle Rodriguez, all the actors do a really good job. Put good effort into their characterizations. Yes. It's fun.
0: I would say action scenes, we've finally gotten away from the Jason Bourne things, and now movies actually generally do good action scenes. This movie's mm-hmm. action scenes, I'd give maybe a C- minus to. Right. Most of them are performed by Michelle Rodriguez, which... Automatically subtracts a letter grade for one thing. I give him
2: a little better than a C minus. I give him, I give him a B plus. I mean, a B plus. Yeah, I mean, Zank has the most fun sword fight scene. That was really fun. I'm not talking about dragons and monsters. I'm just talking about like swords, hand hand combat. Well, his 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 thing is
1: when he fights those zombies. His was great. So if Aroni Kenshin is
0: just an A, this is only
2: one. Aroni Kenshin's an A plus plus plus. Yes, it is. But his his was actually excellent. Yeah, I, I would say it was excellent. Yeah, uh, oh man, I'd say it was a C plus at wow.
0: at best. C plus for him, C minus for Rodriguez. Maybe D plus for her. <sighs> I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I it's just oh, uh, too bad. standards. I think
2: that you people, have them, and I, nobody else. does. Nobody else does. I have, I have pretty high standards for action scenes. So I'm oh, pretty
0: typical. Cool. Uh, ben, you did give Dungeons and Dragons: Honors Among Thieves a B plus. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think Zanks, Zank's is B plus to A minus because it was just fun enough, fast enough, cool enough. And then yeah, like you said, Michelle Rodriguez actually her scenes are well choreographed and pretty well shot. But it's her. And they so, do they
1: actually do a pretty good job of covering of covering up the fact that
0: she's a slow moving old lady. Yeah. Yeah. I they, mean
2: They really did. It was well done.
0: But she's a slow moving old lady and she shouldn't be in the scene in the first place and Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, a hundred percent. All that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you feminists, what what are you guys saying? The wizard battle was fun.
2: At the Wizard, end.
0: yeah, I mean, all the stuff that isn't a sword fight, I would say I would give that stuff a B plus or A. Like the monsters are fun, uh, the monster designs are good. Some of the CGI, you can tell we're operating at a one hundred fifty million dollar budget as opposed to mm-hmm. the two hundred fifty that you know a real A picture gets these days. But actually, you can also tell these people cared and took their time unlike Marvel stuff, which is it's been coming oh, out and all the news stories that they like are whipping their CGI people and having them work and changing everything last minute and not putting a lot of care and concern yeah. into it. So the monster designs are all really good. We've got two separate memorable dragons in their own way. We've got some cool psychic dog, Lovecraft dog creatures, Panther things, Panther things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got, some walking brains. That was a funny <laughs> joke that we won't spoil. <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm usually pretty hard on creature designs. Like I find that most creatures you aren't, are aren't very memorable. Yeah,
1: you are hard on creature design, so it should say something to the listener
0: that Nathan's.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I just think like I grew up with like the alien from Aliens, like stuff that was just iconic. And then now you get like a quiet place, and it just doesn't. It just feels like they grabbed something from like a library, a visual effects library. And
1: well, even the places where they feel like they borrowed something or pulled something out of a, I mean, everything feels to me, not everything, but a lot feels to, to a purpose. That's pretty fun. So, I mean, there's one character that I feel like they pulled out of Jim Henson's reject creature shop, rejected creatures. They robbed an old show, showbiz <laughs> pizza, yeah, <laughs> you know, or an old Chuck E. Cheese yeah. of the character that nobody wanted to, uh, oh. to, to ever put out on the stage or walk around in. But that is my favorite character, <laughs> <laughs> and he's the best. Yeah, he steals the show. He steals the. show. and, and <laughs> we can't give it away. He's but. like the the the, the school <laughs> the school mascot <laughs> that was made. In the uh, w- you know, <laughs> in the home class, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's like in the cantina in perfect. Star
0: Wars. They walk in at least in the non special editions, and it's like cool creature, cool creature, cool creature, and then guy in werewolf mask, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's kind of that level, but it's brilliant. Yeah, well, I'll just go ahead and say it. the character's name is Jonathan and, Jonathan uh, Jonathan Jonathan. <laughs> I am a huge Jonathan fan. He's he's maybe the greatest character in American cinema. <laughs> Um, is Jarnathan <laughs> so uh, Jonathan will if I remember, forget everything else about this movie I will remember <laughs> with fondness Jarnathan until my dying days so yeah high marks for creature designs great as you were saying Ben great wizard duel at the end I love a good wizard duel I even like Gandalf and Sorum and knocking each other to the ground yeah, and yeah. and jabbing their stabs at each other yeah. I just I'm always here for a good wizard's duel in this movie had a good wizard's duel. I'm, mm-hmm. trying to, I'm trying to think of a better wizard's duel, actually. I mean, how many wizards? I mean,
2: the closest thing you have in my mind would be the Harry two, Potter 5. The two wizards and Willow. Yeah, well, I had forgotten Willow. I still, I, man, I've but seen that Beth duel Th- so Morgan many times. or whatever. Yeah. yeah.
0: Harry Potter 5. What happens in her, something. <laughs> something like Harry that, Potter yeah. five, they go Harry to the, Potter
2: 5. Harry Potter It's Voldemort versus Dumbledore. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's With cool. the shattered glass and that's, all that it's, stuff. It's, that was it's,
0: good. it's, it's cool. No, well, that's one of those scenes that actually gets at the, like the primal sort of. That's right. The, mm-hmm. Which is a movie is well, isn't really it, trying, but
1: elemental is the right word. Elemental. We pull mm-hmm. fire and water and mm-hmm. wind. Yeah, that's into right. It all.
2: Yeah. No, yeah, that movie that that scene has more dignity.
0: Yeah, the, the Harry Potter has a couple good wizards duels, but that one is the best. It's true. I really like some of the stuff in six and seven that just feels kind of visceral and on the ground and the camera, the the bathroom fight between Malfoy and Harry is actually really good in that way. Like you just feel like that's what it would be like if someone was shooting magic bolts at you, but then they whiffed the easiest one. ah, Which one? Boo. The death of Bellatrix is not well done in those movies. It's it's just such a, swing and a miss like this should be the home run of They
2: whiff. they whiff a bunch of things
1: well they just they pin so much on the line yeah but then they don't
0: it got a, i'm sure it got applause in the theater i think it did but then they fight for a while like it should be but da 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 line boom you're dead and that's like that's how that kind of line should work but <sighs> It would be like if Bruce Willis said yippee ki and then we had five more minutes of scuffling. That's not... I'm sorry, Harry Potter. You're not as good as Dungeons & Dragons. Honor Among Thieves. And I mean the character, I mean the franchise, well, I mean all gonna, seven they're books. They're going to give us a new one. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh,
2: They'll do
1: it better. They're going to cast a better Severus Snape than Alan Rickman.
2: They're going to do a new one? I haven't even they're heard about he, this. It's this whole... Dude, Warner Brothers
1: is giving us a show on HBO Max, seven seasons, one for each book, new cast, new everything. Oh, great! Yeah, they're gonna give us a better Hermione Granger than Emma Watson, a better who wants to see this show. Better Harry than you
0: know. The thing is, if they do it well, we'll all watch it and we'll all like it. That's I mean, it's true. Ah, well, it it's, is it's ine- a good. It's a good story. It is inevitable. Oh. Doctor Strange oh versus Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange into the Multiverse of Madness actually is a pretty great Wizards duel. It's short, but the music scene in Doctor Strange, the second Doctor Strange. I haven't seen the movie. I don't recommend the movie, but I think the duel is very yeah, fun. Yeah, it was, it was fun. But I'm actually looking through Wizard duels right now. Oz the Great and Powerful, you guys remember that masterpiece of a Never saw
2: it. Film? Another Sam Raimi joint.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Big Trouble in Little China has a Wizard's Duel, I guess. I don't remember it's that. very, It's very tongue-in-cheek. But I like a good Wizard's Duel. This movie has a good Wizard's Duel. Anything else to say about this movie, Ben? Any pushback to anything anyone said or any thoughts? or
2: No, I mean, I just think it's a really fun time at the movies. You can't resent the movie. It's definitely Teflon. But in comparison with what we've gotten recently from Marvel... It feels like a masterpiece, which it's not, right? I I came to the movie resolved
1: to just hate watch it, and it was really hard to hate, and I ended up having quite a bit of
0: fun with it. Mm-hmm. It was fun, yep. So can I make a horrible confession? That I hate myself for. I actually teared up during the thing. I the did end. too.
2: I did too. <laughs>
0: I felt so stupid. It was not worth it. I wasted <laughs> my water, as they say in Dune. But <laughs> uh, I didn't allow any to escape. But it was. Uh, uh, same, I welled up a little me. bit,
1: and it uh, was going to get to me. I might, might, a little bit might have escaped.
0: No, I let it escape. I don't believe in stifling them. I just believe in letting the being dark, ashamed, of them. letting the darkness <laughs> swallow them. Yeah, I mean it's.
2: His daughter does a lot to, as an actress to earn Well, stuff and there's a reason they do That these. the movie doesn't deserve.
0: Father-daughter is just constant these days. They don't do father-son stuff anymore, but they do nope. daughter-father stuff, and it's such an easy... Girl-dad. It's such an easy mark. I mean, I even watching this movie, spoiler for the first 10 minutes of the movie, his wife dies, and he's left alone with his daughter, and I was just like, oh, man, I don't know if I want to watch movies with this kind of thing. Anymore. Yeah, more. <laughs> like, it's, it's it's so like right, just so dumb. I mean, it's just like a trope. Like, who cares? But yeah, it's like it's a, I'm such an easy mark for that kind of stuff, which is why they do it because lots of people are. <sighs> yeah, okay, yeah. We all like this movie, Ben Hamani. this movie has so many totems and how many and hither
2: thither stabs how many
0: hither thither stabs out of 14 do you give to dungeons and dragons colon honor among thieves
2: uh, i think i give it 11 11 out of what did i say 14 you said 14 yeah
0: oh, i just want to say quality witch i, I really like the witch oh she yeah she's a good evil like the style of movie witch yeah very true do you think
1: uh, so do you don't think she felt generic
0: I I mean they didn't give her anything to play. She was just oh an
1: icon. look a bald eye witch <laughs> with powdered she, skin and tattooed markings. But she and, played like silent, angry. <clears throat> I don't know. I just and I, dark shaded eyes. is going to use the same effect. I mean, have been we, using since Thor had the ether.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've sure. seen that kind of thing before. I, mean, I don't know. I thought she was well cast. You know, she's the right mix of like hot and terrible and deformed monster lady. I don't know. I liked her red cloak. Just this is a bit of character design, I guess, as much as anything. I thought she was good. But I like a good evil witch with like red smoke and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, yeah, I'd give an A to the witch. Maybe Maybe my witch astuteness is as good as Ben's action scene astuteness though <laughs> i don't know
2: oh wow. You're bringing yourself down to my level huh no i'm
0: bringing us both up to your level my witch astuteness is right on uh, okay all right <laughs> and so is your action scene judgment best yeah. friends forever jake how many hither thither staves, <laughs> staves. out of 14 <laughs> 12 12 all right, i'm gonna give it a 10 i cannot be as generous
1: I just wanted to one up Ben. That's all I know.
0: Yeah. And I wanted to one down you guys, uh, make, yeah. make myself the true grumpy <laughs> person that hates you, you, the audience member. You know, good witch wizard stuff is actually.
1: She, so maybe why I, I dock her points is she reminds me of anything that you would see in, like, I don't know, the Saturday morning cartoons mm-hmm. and the Death of Marion witches in clone wars
0: oh she does look exactly like them doesn't she
1: yeah she's ripping them off but they're way
0: cooler and scarier yeah i would give you that i just
2: haven't gotten there in clone wars yeah I was, oh, taken
0: was well. on her own terms as the kind more of- interesting and original too i mean yeah.
1: even if it's just like they use green mist i think that's more
0: interesting mm-hmm. i feel like we've seen a lot of green mist i don't know if i've seen red mist before I mean, mist is usually green, isn't it? White or green are kind of the mm. colors.
2: Mm. I don't know. That might be true. I'm to each their
0: own. remember. We can all have our own yeah, witches. Scarlet you know, Witch is
2: all red. <laughs>
1: yeah, I guess Scarlet uh-huh. Witch is pretty all red. All of Doctor Strange's magic is red. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All of the ether stuff is red. That's true. <laughs> Everything in the MCU uh, is just
2: red. You got um, me there. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, hit it's the yeah. a, a hit
0: in a mist. A hit in a mist? I'm going to that. Right, actually work that out and see what it comes to. So it's like you're saying a hit and a miss, but you substituted mist. Is that the pun?
2: That's, you have, Nathan, we murder to dissect. Great comedy. That's what you've just done. Okay. Yeah, you're
0: right. I mean, it was very Marvel. It took from, I don't know, I guess. Sure. There is part of me that just likes fantasy stuff better than i like superhero stuff so i think the movie's probably getting some points from me agreed I'm just like ah, i'd rather see a witch do this kind of thing than a marvel
2: character which can't do this kind of thing the other thing maybe the last thing i want to say that we might already have said is that the movie does care more about its locations for all that it doesn't give you a sense of wonder it does give you a sense of like this is a very particular house yes this is a very particular castle this is a very particular city and it does that all the time, and that goes a long way, yeah, to make you feel like you're in an actual place that someone thought about.
0: Yeah, you compare this to like Asgard and the Thor movies, which yeah. always just feels like a generic CGI backdrop without any of its own character or culture or anything like that. Uh, this movie, you get a vague sense of what, yeah, Hugh Grant's city is like, and yeah, yeah, you get a vague sense who these people are, and fun little details and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fun it's a fun movie. We recommend it. I don't think there's anything I mean minus the feminism and
2: the grossest stuff would be when she was talking with her ex-husband. Yes. Right.
0: Jake went and got some candy. I recommend that you do the same. The scene is exactly the right length. Was there any kind of line when you got this candy? No. So you could just go as long as there's not a big line. You go, you bite your cookie dough or your man. I
1: got nerd clusters. Oh yeah.
0: Yes. Those were good. You shared one yeah. or two. They were good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I don't know when the last time I had a Nerd Custer or whether I've ever had a Nerd I oh, have. I had it's before. a pretty
1: new candy, I think.
0: I got exposed
1: to it just at a baseball game. When my daughter got some and shared some with me. And I was like, wow. Yeah. You know, this looks disgusting and not like anything I would ever want to eat. And yet I put it in my mouth. And I really enjoyed
0: that. Mm-hmm. Kind of an analogy for Dungeons
1: and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much, mm-hmm. yeah. Like a nerd cluster. Ah, speaking in of so many
0: four nerds. different ways. Yes, right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm even cleverer, cleverer than I thought I was. Yeah. Jake, true or false? You, if you're gonna buy a candy, you don't buy chocolate. Ah, uh, false. I just feel like you're always buying Mike and Ikes or Swedish Fish. That's or because
1: for whatever reason,
0: nerds uh, yeah, or few know, and I far know. between have been the times I've seen you. If I've ever seen you buy like just a a Crunch Bar. Or a, no, I,
1: I, I'm never gonna buy milk chocolate. Okay. So, so if you're at a movie, th- if you have a movie, Junior theaters- Mints, Junior Mints, OK. Junior Mints would be the chocolate thing I would get at the movie theater if I got a chocolate thing at the movie theater.
0: But the movie theater actually doesn't have many options for you because. That's right.
1: Dark chocolate, very much. But I'm like an 85 or 90 percent dark chocolate kind of guy. Yeah, I I think that's. And so yeah. if it's like I, I will not buy milk chocolate. Yeah. Movie. So maybe my- if on a rare occasion I'll get something that's Reese's related because of the chocolate peanut butter pear
0: i asked my question in an ill way because what i meant was gas station movie theater you're not going to buy chocolate and i think it's actually true you're not going to buy chocolate from a place like that
1: that's right unless there's like something but like if i see something that is like a special dark and i'm in in the mood to do a cheap bad dark chocolate type of thing, like a milky way dark or something like that i mm-hmm. might but even that's gonna be like, oh no, this is gonna, they're gonna sweeten it down with too much grossness. I'm not gonna do that. But I might do a York Peppermint Patties at, at a gas station
0: type place or Junior Mints. That's the thing that I will do. I have been through those, those. I'm always a little disappointed. They never quite live up to what I want them to be. But Which the York or the Junior Mints? Well, specifically Peppermint Patties. I'm always like, yeah, it's time. It's been a few years. It's time for Peppermint Patty. And then it's always good, but a little disappointing. Yeah. Like the action scenes in Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. All right, folks, we want to thank you for joining us. We would more or less recommend, if you, you know, if you've taken your feminism inoculation pills and can handle some emasculated males, that's really the only moral. I would say for a... And we have to be done. But I would say for a... For this type of movie, compared to like a Marvel or something, like... The moral lines, like the heroes actually corresponding to heroic character traits, mm-hmm. like the heroes actually being heroes. This movie actually had more of that. I'm not going to say that, you know, they were scoundrels and thieves, and you couldn't, as a Christian, get behind everything they were doing. Right. But it was largely let's get his daughter back and defeat evil and less like. Grim revenge or dehumanizing violence. I used or, to break
2: my promises. I shouldn't do that anymore. Yeah,
0: it's kind of all on the level of a Saturday morning cartoon, yeah. morally speaking, but not reprehensible or and or just confusing and right. weird and postmodern, like so much of right. the <laughs> Marvel phase three and four has been. So, Dungeons and Dragons. It's a masterpiece. It's our favorite movie. And I'll tell you who our favorite person is, one of them at least our patron choice award of awesomeness winner, Keith. Ben, what is it that makes Keith such a wonderful guy?
2: Keith has, he doesn't traffic in colloquialisms. He has no sense of (laughs) (laughs) humor, humor. (laughs) (laughs) but he's very noble and upright. And he's just going to tell you the truth. He's not going to care if you think he's a dork. He's going to be like, no, this is the right thing to do. He'll reprove you if you make a joke that he doesn't understand. <laughs> Make him sound like kind of a sanctimonious. <laughs> <laughs> well, but he's he's awesome though. I mean, he's like Zank, right? He's he's just he's just great. There so, go. He, you go. You got to see the movie. He, out. he can he can lead you into the dungeon and defeat the bad guys and bring you safely out again. Yes. So then mm-hmm. you're like, eh, I guess this guy really has something to teach me. Zank was great. Zank heavens alright folks did you say Zank heavens I did say Zank heavens right up there need with made
1: fun
0: of you for, for hit, hit and missed
1: hit, hit and missed and he came up with Zank heavens <laughs> I proved. Zank for the memories guys alright oh, no. until is there a line in this movie that's <laughs> yeah, I got one I
3: got one you
1: got one yeah is that from the movie you didn't get to the uh, until next time. I Didn't I?
0: No. <laughs> oh, sorry. I left you hanging. All right, folks. We're going to have to do it again. No, just go ahead. Just say until. Until next time. Jonathan,
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>